So welcome to the year of the Bible. I am super excited about this. Man, we've been planning this. We've been thinking about this. We've been dreaming about this for like a year. Uh, we, we have been so excited about this series, what we start today. Some of you, uh, maybe you were here last week and you got a reading plan. You've already read uh, the stuff for this week or maybe you've seen online or whatever. But we are doing something that, that could not be uh, more special to us. We are going to spend a year together going through the entire Bible. And some of you are saying, well, shouldn't every year be year of the Bible for a church? Yes, you're right. And it is. Every year is the year of the Bible for us. But this year, we're asking everyone to read it. Not just a few people who come up and regurgitate it, but everyone to read it together. And together, we are going to go through this book. And we believe that God is going to do something special as together we walk through. And there is this is one of the most powerful ways the creator of the universe reveals his heart to you. And so we're going to go through this together and God is going to take his glory. And let me tell you this. I have gotten more emails. We, all right, we, we've been on Year of the Bible since January 1st. And I have gotten more emails asking questions about the Bible in the last six days than I got in all of 2018. Amen. That's good. <clears throat> Which tells me we're on to something here. Uh, and keep, keep the questions coming, man, because uh, when I get them from you, I send them to my mom and she answers them and then I send them, <laughs> and I send them back. And so it's really a good system we've got going. If there's a delay, it's because my mom's a little slow on her email. Um, I don't have all the answers. We're going to learn together, man. I love this. Uh, and as we go through this, you're, you're going to read stuff that's going to challenge you. You're going to read stuff that's going to convict you, meaning you're going to be going that way, and you're going to read something that says you should go this way, and you're going to be like, oh, man. You're going to read some stuff that's going to break your heart. You're going to read some stuff that's going to encourage you. You're going to read some stuff that's going to make you feel powerful and free. You're going to read some things. that you, you, Let me tell you all a secret right now. I, I want you to hear this, and I want you to know it's okay because at some point, you're going to read something in this book, and you are going to doubt it. <gasps> it's going to happen. There was a guy named Thomas, who you'll read about at some point, and uh, he doubted very seriously that Jesus Christ was the Son of God until Jesus Christ stood in front of him with crucified hands. Your doubt is okay. Take your doubt to God. Don't be lazy in it. But it's okay if you doubt some of this. I remember when I'd been preaching for like, I don't know, six or eight months, and and I finally decided it was a good idea to read the Bible. And so I was reading through it. And I, I would call my brother Jeff every now and then and be like, and he tells this story. He's like, I would call him and be like, hey, why doesn't anybody ever go, hold the phone? Well, when do I read the part where, you know, Billy Bob walks up and goes, hold on now. This doesn't even make any sense. That donkey is talking. Or that dude just fed 5,000 people. with one. Why doesn't anyone ever go, what the heck just happened? Because had I been there, I'd have been like, that didn't make sense. Everyone just accepts it. Listen, that's hard to do. There's going to be things in here that you are going to doubt, and I want you to know it's okay. We're going to talk about these things. We're going to share our doubts together, and we're, we're, going, to, we're going to share what God is doing. And that this wasn't just meant to be read privately. That's why we're going to have small groups, and, and there's sign-up sheets out there in the lobby for you, or whatever, whatever it is, and where, where you can go sign up to be in a group where you can sit and talk to other people and you can share. And, and we're going to give you every resource we can. And every message I preach is going to be based off what you have read the week before. So you're going to come in here already well ahead of the game with your own questions and your own thoughts. And we're going to be out in the lobby talking about things. I've already seen it this week, even with our staff. 
We were having some amazing conversations about Genesis, and this is going to be a year where we are all focused in one direction together. And through this, we are going to change. Let me, let me give you this warning, too. If at some point you fall off the Bible wagon for a few weeks, you stop reading. And so let's say you stopped at Genesis and we're at Numbers. Don't try to go back and catch up. I must read Genesis at Leviticus real quick. No, just jump in with us at Numbers. It'll be fine. Where, because that way you're going to be where we are all the time. So if you mess up, we all there'll be some point where you know we make some series of excuses to not continue to do this. And then... And <laughs> It's like all the rest of our resolutions. But once you jump back on, just jump in where we are, and we're going to constantly provide you with the resources to know what's going on in here. Can't wait. It's going to be different. Um, instead of just coming in and hearing one person's opinion on something, gifted people are going to get together in groups, and you are going to share your gifts. You're going to share the gift God has given you to interpret His Word and to understand it. And you're going to read it together. In Acts chapter 2, which you guys will read here, Pretty soon, Acts chapter 2, it says, the, the disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is this, the breaking of the bread, which is that, to fellowship and to prayer. That's what they were devoted to, and so that's what we're going to devote ourselves to. We're going to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship and to prayer, and we are going to do it in a way we have never done it before. We have spent 10 years growing this church wide, and now we're going to spend a year just growing it because we cannot go to the next level that God is calling us to go to if we do not make sure our roots are deep. And so together, our focus is going to be growing in depth. And I cannot wait, man. But I'll tell you guys a secret, and some of you may know this. In the, in the church world, depth is not always popular. The people who talk about the truth and the people who read the whole Bible, it doesn't always make them the most popular preachers of the most popular churches. And so because we're deciding to go deep this year, deeper than we've ever gone before, some people will fall off. Some people will decide that this isn't the, the church for me because they'll realize that what we're not devoted to is coddling church people and making you feel good about yourself. You'll realize that I don't believe my number one job in life is to stand at that door when you leave and say, thank you for coming to church and shake every single hand. You, you'll, you'll realize that some of the things you thought were my job were really your job, and you'll decide you don't want that job. But for those of you who stay, and, and listen, if you, if, if you do fall off, it's okay, I love you, but, but if, for those of you who stay, you will be changed. For those of you who stay, you're going to grow deeper in love for God and deeper in love for people. You will be more equipped to serve and more equipped to sacrifice. You will be more prepared to live as the disciple you were designed to be. For those of you who stick this out, for those of you who commit, God is going to change the world through you. And daily, he will add to our numbers those who are devoted to Jesus Christ. If you stick, and if you stick with this, you mess up and you get back on, that's life. But if you stick it out, and we're willing to deal with the uncomfortable parts of this book, we will change the world in a way we never thought was possible. I believe that with all my heart. So we are going to devote ourselves to a new kind of depth. And I know some of you are saying, I saw the reading plan, Tommy. It's got a lot of reading on it. <laughs> a lot of words. <laughs> I'm busy, right? I know you're busy. I'm busy too. We're building a building. And that for some reason, I put all the pressure of that on myself. I put all the money and the pressure for the money. I put it all on myself, all the worry. I put it on myself. 
I've got a family. That takes a considerable amount of time. Five-year-old girls are needy. I've got, I've, got, I've got that. I'm in seminary. I'm taking more hours of seminary this semester than I've ever taken in my entire life, and I hate school. Well, I hate it with a passion, and school hated me, but I hate it with a passion that you do not understand. I've got, I've got nine more hours, and I am done. I am done. So I'm going to take, amen. <laughs> then I can wear a funny hat. I don't know what it will get me. But nine more hours, and I'm done, and I never will go to school again in my life. Because you might not believe this, but sitting in a room being lectured to for an hour is not my idea of a really good time. i got about a 27-minute attention span <laughs> As you will find out here shortly. It's a busy year for me too, man. Busy and difficult are not good excuses for not doing something. Right? Busy. If you're too busy to spend 20 minutes a day reading the Bible, then change your schedule. Your schedule's wrong. I mean, it really is. You Fix it. Find a way to work this into your day. I know you're busy. I'm busy. We're all busy. Busy, busy, busy. Everybody's busy. You'll be all right. 20 more minutes isn't going to break you. You may have to let something go. 20 less minutes on Facebook. Hmm. It's going to be tough. It is. There's going to be days when this is tough. And I'm going to be forced to grow and stretch because I'm a topical preacher. So this is going to require twice as much work for me. And you're going to be forced to grow and stretch. It may even cause us to use a little faith. But when faith is required, faith is multiplied. When we use our faith, our faith expands and grows. So this year, commit to using your faith and let's see what God does. And what I want to do when we, today, just to kind of start this off, is I want to talk about why this is so important. I can tell you why one of the reasons it's important to me, and this isn't, like, when I read the book of Acts, I want what happened to them to happen here. When, when a group of people devoted themselves to something bigger than themselves and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking bread and to prayer, they saw things that I have yet to see. I want to see some things. I want to see walls shake. I, I want to see healings in a way I have yet to experience. And I believe the only way I will ever experience the fullness of what God can do is if I fully devote myself to the power of God. I want to see it. So I, I want you guys to know why I believe that reading, that you're thinking, man, I'm, I've been here 40 years. I hadn't read that thing yet, and I'm fine. Maybe, but maybe there's more. One of the reasons I believe God wants us to do this, he wants you to do this, he wants me to do this, is because God desires for you to be blessed. One of the very first things you guys read this week was Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, and it says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water and it yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, but they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. God says, man, meditate on my word day and night and you will be blessed. Walk with the righteous and you will be blessed. And as I was reading this, I thought about Chris Neal's message last, last week. Man, give it up for Chris. That was an amazing message on default. I thought about his message last week and I thought about, man, who am I spending the most time meditating on? 
What, what am I spending the most time thinking about? Who am I walking with the most? And then I thought about the amount of time. And when I, when I heard Chris's message, this is the truth, I was so convicted by, by how much time many of you spend on social media. I was convicted for you. And I repented on your behalf. <laughs> I, I, felt, I was like, oh, man, I can do so much better than this. Like when I left last week, my thought was I can do better than this, than what I've done. The amount of time I spend meditating on social media, Yahoo News, the 500 Razorbacks, you know, all, the, all these things. The amount of time I spend walking and then I'm looking, are these things, am I really walking with the righteous or am I walking with the wicked? Who am I spending my time walking with? Where am I spending my time meditating? And I believe that if we'll take a little of our time every day and meditate on the law of the Lord, that maybe it'll change. Maybe the more I think about God, the more he'll change the way I think. The more I talk to God, the more he'll change the way I talk. And the more I serve with God, the more he'll change the way I serve. And the more I do life with God, the more he will change the way I do life. But I have to give him a space in my life. So that's what I'm going to do. That's what you need to do. That's what we need to do. God says, if you do it, you will be blessed. If you meditate on do you believe that? If we believed it, we'd already be doing it. Do you believe that through doing this, you will be blessed? Let me tell you my experience with this. There have been seasons when I have been super plugged into the Word, and there have been seasons when I have set it to the side. And in the seasons and the times in my life where I am plugged in, where I'm reading the Bible on a regular basis, I'm kinder to my family, I see things more clear. I have greater perspective. I have a peace that the world cannot take away from me. I am a totally and completely different person when I am plugged into God through this book. I am blessed when I am doing it. And I want you to hear this. My faith is not in the Bible. My faith is in Jesus Christ, but this is the way Jesus Christ shares his mind with me. And so when I'm not in this, there's a difference in me. But when I am, I'm blessed. And so, guys, as you begin to do this, as you begin to, to pick this up, and as you begin to read it, I want to challenge you to do something here. Don't read this as a history book. Don't read it for information. Read it as if God is telling you a story. So the last thing I want you to say before you open your Bible and start to read is, God, tell me your story. And then imagine God sitting beside you and he wraps his arm around you and he says, hey, let me tell you a story. And then he begins to talk to you. And if you read this as if God is telling you a story, we begin to not get so freaked out about some of the little things that we get freaked out about. I've gotten so many emails this week about Genesis. I know it's a weird story. But I'm not worried about whether it's seven days or seven billion years or 700 million mega years. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that my God is telling me a story and it's beautiful and it's incredible and, and, and I don't, but he's just, I'm listening. Just like with my grandfather who I loved dearly when he would tell me a story, I didn't question whether it was 1941 or 1942 or whether there were six people in the room. I didn't care. My grandfather who I respected and loved was telling me a story so I shut my mouth and I listened. Quit arguing with him. And if this, if this season of the Bible leads to dissent in this room because we're arguing about stuff we don't really know the answers to, then shame on us. This should unite us around a God who's telling a story to his children. And when he's telling the story, he tells stories about people. And so when, when you read the stories about people, I don't want you to read them as if they're Harry Potter. Harry Potter. 
These aren't fictional people. Like, read the stories as if they're real people and then walk with them. This is what I, when I'm reading the Bible, I pretend like I am there with that person in that scene. And so, you know, you're, you're walking with Moses, you're walking with Noah, you're walking with Adam and Eve, and they were naked, so that was, that was cool. Like, like, Adam, your wife is naked. I mean, you know, you, you're just doing this, you're walking with all these different people. And you get to walk with Peter, and you get to walk with Paul, and you get to walk with, and, and then, like, be in the moment with them. Allow them to speak to you, like, look in their heart and say, what were you thinking? What was your emotion? What was going on? Peter, when you pulled that sword out and you cut off that guy's ear, like, be in that scene. Allow yourself to use something you haven't used in 50 years. Imagination. Just use it, man. When you're reading those stories, when you're reading those stories about those people, about Moses and you know, Noah and, and that talking donkey, all these different people, man, just allow yourself to be immersed in the scene for just a minute. For just a minute. And what you will find is in their story, you will find your story. And you will find characters like Rahab who will steal your heart. And you will find people like the tax collector who you relate to in so many ways. And you will find the Pharisee and you will realize how judgmental you have been. And then you will find Jesus. You will realize the answer to your soul is the lover of your soul. And you will fall in love with him in a brand new way. And you will walk with him like you never have before. Walk with these people. Allow your God to tell you a story, even if the story goes beyond your ability to understand how it happened. Be there. Be present. Be in it. And I can guarantee you, you will be changed. Second reason I, I think this is so incredibly important is, is the more you read the Bible, the more you, you learn you should really fear God a little. The more you learn to respect God, and it's in that fear and respect of God that you actually gain wisdom. Proverbs 1, which many of you read this week, it says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. By the way, Solomon was the wisest man to ever live, and he wrote this, and he said, For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables and sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. He says, man, for those who read this, for those who learn to fear the Lord, for those who respect him, it's the beginning of wisdom. Guys, we have a lot of information in this world. A lot. I can find out anything at any time with just Siri, my friend. I'd be like, Siri, how many ounces in a pound? Blah, blah, blah. Siri, how many eggs are in a bush? Blah, blah, blah. Siri, how many gallons? She can tell me anything about math, which is helpful because I know nothing. So it's, it's, you can get any bit of information. The world has plenty of information. What it does not have a lot of is wisdom. Siri cannot give you wisdom. I think it would be a better idea to go home and apologize. <laughs> has Siri ever given you wisdom? I think you should shut your mouth for a little while. Right? I mean, wisdom comes from knowing God. 
And again, I love it. it says the fear of God. And we think fear, oh, you, well, you don't need to fear God. Maybe a little fear of God wouldn't be a bad thing. I think one of our problems is, is we've lost all fear of God. See, I, I, I believe a, a child should have a healthy fear of a good, good father. Let me tell you something. I grew up with a dad who, who never, never beat me. He was good. He was always there. He loved me completely. But when my dad spoke, I listened because I feared him. I didn't fear my mom because I could talk her into anything. <laughs> she did. I, she actually blamed herself for most of what I did wrong. <laughs> I was a bad mother. Yes, that one's on you, mom. <laughs> I was just minding my own business. If you'd been a better mother, I wouldn't have stolen that stuff. <laughs> so most of that was her fault. But, but my dad, when my dad spoke, you, uh, you listen, when dad came in the room and he said, that's enough, I believed it was enough because I had a healthy fear of my father. It is healthy if you have a dad who loves you, a good, good father. You should have a little bit of fear of him. And over and over in the Bible, when I read about God, the real God, not the God we created, not the God we formed in our image so we didn't have to fear him, not the God that we, that we maligned and just broke, sided all. The real God, when I read about him, when people encountered him, they respected him. He demanded to be worshipped. He demanded to be respected. He demanded to be revered. He was not a God that you put in your box he was a God whose wrath and justice were just as powerful as his love, and it all mattered and was all important, and you couldn't just discount the qualities you didn't like, and you, and you couldn't tell him, oh, that's something that was meant for other people, not for me. When this God spoke, the world listened, but he always gave people a choice, and he would let people walk away over and over and over again and do incredibly stupid things with their life. He's a perfect gentleman. But he, he, he was not this God who bows to culture. He wasn't this God who existed to make us feel warm and fuzzy. People understood it. They existed to serve him, not the other way around. And so as you read the Old Testament, I'm just going to challenge you to let God be God. We have justified him and we have apologized for him too many times. He doesn't need us to defend him. He's God. Just let him be. As you're reading, as you read, don't try to change. Oh, well, that must not have been that must. Just let him be God and let him speak and hear it and allow him to convict and change. Because it's only the person who realizes the law of God and how powerful his wrath. and That's the only person who will realize the true love of Jesus Christ and how important his blood really is. You cannot receive the grace and the mercy of Jesus if you don't fully understand the wrath and the power of God. You can't separate them. When Jesus showed up, God didn't retire. Oh, thanks. Nice to have my clock out. That's not the way it worked. God is still God. He's the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and he has not changed. But we are under the blood of Jesus Christ, not under the yoke of the Old Testament. But that means nothing to you if you don't know the yoke that's been lifted off of you. Get in there, man. Introduce yourself to the real God. And from that comes wisdom. From that comes an idea that we should order our life in such a way because when you choose to be in relationship with this real God, he does say there's some rules and regulations I want you to follow. He says there's a sandbox, and the sandbox is not to deny your freedom. The sandbox is to give you the ultimate freedom, which is to worship God with a clear conscience freely. So he says if you choose to follow me, 
want you to do it this way. Not, not because I want to hurt you or restrict you, but because I love you and because I know what's best for you, like a good, good father. So read it with an open mind. Read it without apologizing. Just let God be God and see what he says. Final reason I, I think this is important is because I believe Jesus Christ is the most important person you will ever know. And I believe this book from beginning to end is the story of Jesus Christ. Thinking about this as I was writing this message, I have based, I'm trying, trying to base my life, my death, my vocation, my family, my, my everything that's important to me, I've placed in the hands of one figure, and that figure is Jesus Christ. If that's what I've done, why would I not want to know him as good as possible? Like, I think too many people, and I don't mean this offensive, so don't be offended, but if you are, I'll be okay, but... but too many people have based their relationship with Jesus Christ off what, what I told them, what somebody else told them. Like, introduce yourself to him. Before you got married, when you were dating your spouse, you remember that day when, when it was early on in the relationship, because people don't do this stuff later on, but early on in the relationship, you, like, you wanted to see their yearbook, you wanted to read all their old stuff, letters, you wanted to see, you'd watch a family video. Because you wanted to know so much about your spouse, you, were so, you wanted to know all about them, right? And from knowing all these things, you made this decision that, yes, this is the person I want to spend my life with. We have here family videos of Jesus. We have all these amazing stories, everything about him. Why do we not want to open? If this is who you're going to spend eternity with, don't just do it because Tommy said he was cool. I don't know. I'm in. That should not be a sufficient reason. Is that why you get married? Paul, here's Amanda. He's cool. Trust me. Marry him. You wouldn't do that, would you? You got to know him a little bit. And we're still getting to know each other. Guys, don't just take my word for this. <sighs> Dust it off. <laughs> Open it up. And allow the God of all creation to speak truth to you. Can I tell you all a secret? You have the same access to God that I have. Some of you don't, but most of you do. <laughs> I'm kidding. You all do. You all do. The same, there is no sacred man and there is no sacred space. We're all sacred people. We're inhabited by the living God. Open the book and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And even after you read this thing, you and I don't have to agree on every single thing. We can still worship God together. But open it and introduce yourself to Jesus because the entire story is about him and your entire life is about him. In one way or another, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is God. So you might as well spend some time getting to know him. In, in Genesis 1, in the very beginning of the book, so many of you read this this week, it says, it says um, when, when God created the earth, he said, let us create mankind in our image. All right, he's talking to somebody there. God is talking to somebody. I don't go to KFC by myself and say, let us get chicken and mashed potatoes. I don't do that, Right? God is talking to someone. He says, let us create man in our image. Guess who he's talking about? The Holy Spirit and Jesus. He's talking to them because Jesus is there. The story of Jesus doesn't begin with the little six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus on Christmas Day. The story of Jesus began in eternity, and it will go for forever. He has always been. He always was. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, he's always been there. Before Adam and Eve ever sinned, there was a plan to remedy sin. Before you and I ever failed, there was a plan to rescue us. Jesus was always the plan. 
This is not the story of an angry God. This is the story of a God who so loved the world, he decided to send his son to save it before he ever made the world. Do you realize how incredibly beautiful that is? To make us knowing what he was going to have to do to save us? That's the story. Read it. In Genesis chapter 3, now there's this really cool scene where uh, Eve has failed miserably and, and, eat, and eating the apple, and Adam like was a spineless weasel. Like, I'll eat the apple too. He just, he just folded. Eve's next thing was, can I also have $3,000 for furniture? Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's just folding to everything. <laughs> Sorry. He's just folding. He's just, <laughs> he's just folding for everything, right? I mean, it's just, just withering up there. And, and then God, God's like, ah, no, man, why? All you got, you guys had every tree in the whole garden. All I wanted you to do was not eat from that one. And now you did it. And I still love you, but man, you got you guys have made a massive mistake. And this this serpent that, that is, is represents Satan in the story. And, and God goes to the to the snake and he says, He says, Snakes, he says, Satan, I'm now gonna put enmity between you and the woman. There's now a problem between you and my people. You had the option, you had the choice. To be in the garden and keep your mouth shut. But because there must be an evil for a good, and because there must be a right for there to be a wrong, and because there must be death for there to be life, Satan tempted and they responded. And God looks at him and says, let me tell you something though. You will strike the heel of my son. Now God's talking about Jesus Christ. He says, you will strike the heel of my son, but my son will crush your head. The son of man, the son of God will crush your head. What he is saying is, Satan, you've taken your shot, but hear me. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to crush evil. I'm going to crush sin. And whether or not you believe this is a seven-day story, a seven-billion-year story, believe this. God created a world that we broke, and God's always had a plan to save it. And God wins. Let that be the core thing you walk away from in those first few chapters of Genesis is God is going to win and you need to know his story. You want to be on his side. This is the story about Jesus. This is the story of God revealing the plan he's always had. And the Old Testament is the story behind why you need Jesus. And the New Testament is the story of Jesus. And the Old Testament is the story of, of the world falling and then God's plan for this sacred nation and then from that sacred nation, Jesus Christ comes. And, and when you read Matthew, you read Matthew chapter 1, and you just read name after name after name after name after you were like, what in the world? Am I doing roll call in a preschool? Malachi, here. Zebediah, here. Zara, here. Right? What that was in Matthew chapter 1 was confirmation that everything the prophets in the Old Testament said was true. The prophets have been saying he's going to come. He's going to come from this lineage and this line. And, and Matthew chapter 1 is Matthew saying the prophets were right. He is the one. He's the real Jesus. He's son of God. And he's son of man. And he's fully everything. He was, he was always, always said to be. He's the one. And if you really want to know him, get in there and know him. Discuss it with people. Have conversations. How do we say we love Jesus Christ, but we don't have time to read your story? How do we say I'll spend eternity with you, but I don't have 20 minutes a day for you right now? I don't say that to make anybody feel guilty because believe me, there have been plenty, plenty of days when I have fallen short on this. But today we can change. 
The beauty of our God and the beauty of a new year is that all things are brand new. And today we can do this together. A new level of depth for this place. A new understanding. A new, a new, a new, a new righteousness. A new redeeming. A new grace. A fresh outpouring of everything we've always wanted. And so today, for those of you who are deciding to, to enter into this, this year of the Bible, we're going we're gonna to sign and seal this with a covenant. We're going to talk about covenants next week. We're going to share together in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ because this is the way that Christ sealed his covenant with us. He gave us his body and he gave us his blood. And you're going to read about this in Corinthians. You're going to read about it in Matthew. And you're going to read about it in Luke and John. You're going to read about how incredibly beautiful the Lord's Supper is. And through that, this moment's going to take on a new identity for you. Before Christ went to the cross, he got with his people. And he took a loaf of bread like this and he broke it. And he gave it to them. And said, take it all of you. All of you. He said, this is my body, which is given to you. As often as you eat this, you remember me. And after the supper was over, Christ took a cup. And this cup represented something brand new. He said, this is my blood. This is the seal that you are mine. He said, the Old Testament, and you couldn't keep that law. You couldn't do it. I knew you wouldn't do it. So I was always the plan. My blood was always the answer for your sin. So take it and know that it is sufficient for you because it always has been. Drink it and be set free. And so in remembrance of these, the mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we we will offer ourselves this year in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. And together, we will come to know this mystery of faith that says Christ has died and Christ has risen and Christ will come again. And so the Holy Spirit is poured out on this crowd and now we're asking him to pour himself out on these gifts of bread and wine that they may be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with each other. Make us one with you and make us one with all people until Christ comes again and we feast at his heavenly banquet. All honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. For those who are assisting me with communion, come forward. As they're coming up here, I, I want to remind you guys that this is not something This is not something limited to, to members of this church. Uh, we, you don't come up here and, are you a member check? You know, check. This, is not, this is not just for, for people who, who have some certain denominational affiliation. It doesn't matter whether you just now decided you desire to know God better. If you desire to be at peace with your neighbor and you desire to know God, then search your heart. Because you're going to read in Corinthians about the importance of searching your heart before you come to this table. But search your heart. Get right with God. Confess what needs to be confessed and then come and receive what was always designed to be yours. And that is the grace freely given of Jesus Christ. Receive it. And together, we will know him better. Together, we will be changed. This is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ.